the Burbs. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Two of the program. We're glad you're with us here momentarily. Bill Bender, our friend from the Sporting News, one of our friends from the Sporting News, our college football friend from the Sporting News momentarily, and then the bottom of the hour, uh, Scott Miller, longtime Major League Baseball columnist, uh, will join us at 11.30 or thereabouts. Big 12 Media Days, the list of attendees by school has been released. Iowa State, all the schools only sending two this year. Iowa State will be represented by Brees Hall and Greg Eisworth. No Brock Purdy. No Brock Purdy. No mm. Spencer Rattler from Oklahoma. He's younger. He's right. Got a huge shot. Right. Now he's got uh, what he's a redshirt sophomore, I mm-hmm. want to say. Draft Purdy's eligible. A, yeah, he is. Purdy's a junior. Uh and they didn't have it last year, but I think he was on the did they even come up with the list or am I dreaming? <sighs> I don't know why I'd be dreaming about Brock Purdy. Well I know a lot of people in the area are. This one's not. I look forward to watching him play, but that's where it ends. Anyways, Bill Bender uh, joins the program. Bill Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. Bill Bender, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. No, appreciate you coming on, Bill Bender. You know, I first of all read your piece uh, today that was uh, your most recent piece at the Sporting News. We'll get into a bunch of them. Just when it uh, had to do with championship cities, and I'm scrolling through and I'm scrolling through, and I'm really glad I got to the end and you didn't have a list of cities that still looking for their first championship because the one I grew up in is. But man, oh man, it just uh, drives home the point just how fortunate Tampa and their fan base have, has been. Uh, it's Titletown. I know Red Sox and Boston fans like to call themselves that, but the run that Tampa is on hockey, football, uh, a World Series appearance. Tampa's had a pretty good run, Bill. Yeah, and, you know, it makes me feel like back to the future in some ways. If you go back to I mean, Trent and I, we always talk about this. We're about the same age. When I was about 10, Tampa Bay didn't have a baseball team, didn't have a hockey team, yeah, and awful. their football team yeah. was the joke, right? Uh-huh. Yep. So for them to go on this run is pretty amazing, and, and the Rays almost did it last year. So, But we'll have to update that list here in about a week. We'll see if it's Milwaukee or ah. Phoenix that, that uh, gets the next one. I want to start in the Big Ten with you, Bill. I want to go to the West, and a team that we haven't talked a whole lot about. Obviously, we talked plenty of Hawkeyes as we're building that bridge to get us to August. Hmm. We've talked plenty of Nebraska, just proximity, a piece of that. We talked Wisconsin. They're the favorites, the betting favorites in the Big Ten West. We haven't talked a whole lot about the Gophers. Your thoughts on this team? Has a lot of returning production coming back. They got a quarterback that led them to a two, 10 win season two years ago. Ibrahim's back at the running back spot, a huge offensive line. Is Minnesota being overlooked? Probably. I, I think that's fair, just in terms of last year was a disaster for them, ranging from the opener where Michigan smacked them around yeah. and then the COVID problems they had after. And, but, I mean, if you go to the year before, that was a program that was seemingly ready to get in the same discussion as Wisconsin and Iowa, who, who kind of trade off the top and even Northwestern. Um, so, yeah, it'll be an interesting year. And when you have a experienced quarterback, good running game, and what they got coming back, I mean, to undervalue Minnesota a little bit, that's probably a fair statement. 
I think it is too, Trent. And uh, this is a team to me. If you get Tanner Morgan from two years ago, mm-hmm. and Bill's right, we I mean, Bill the, the the COVID. They went to Lincoln and they actually won there, but left thirty five players at home. Think about that. Thirty five guys couldn't answer the bell uh, against Nebraska last year. It's hit hard. Wisconsin and Minnesota, seemingly the two schools in the Big Ten. Uh, that had the worst go of COVID. Northwestern was in there for a while, too, if memory serves. Uh, but those um, Big Ten West was hit hard by COVID, Bill. Was. And, you know, that's what this year is going to be a little bit different, different outlook, different um, kind of a reset button for some programs. And, you know, Northwestern was able to take advantage of that. Northwestern's really done a nice job the last three years. Mm-hmm. But Northwestern's also a program, when they go 5-7, and seven, from a national standpoint, I, I mean, I tend to notice it, but national writers maybe don't notice that as much. And that's the same danger you have with Northwestern as you do maybe Indiana on the other side of the division. Over to the east, and uh, a question off the field. It pertains to recruiting. I saw Ohio State picked up a kid that'll be joining the team here pretty quick, 2021 five spa- five-star defensive lineman from Washington of all places. Ohio State, they've always recruited well. That's what Ohio State does. They got a ton of talent in their backyard, but the way they become a national brand in recruiting, they do well in Texas. They do well in Georgia. They do well on the West Coast. Has this been a shift of philosophy? And well, do we have to go back to Urban Meyer, maybe creating now what Day and Company is being able to do? I think you got to go back to John Cooper, honestly, mm. the guy that took a lot of flack for losing to Michigan and losing bowl games, but at the same time. He kind of started that, or they moved on. You know, they had, look at the NFL talent on his rosters. David Boston, Orlando Pace, Corey Stringer. I could go on for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Trestle really crafted that toward Ohio and dominated the state and Big Ten. And Er Ryan has just taken what Urban gave him. And I honestly, I always use the analogy, he, he took a fast car and he made it faster. And that's what they're doing. You know, Bill, you were on a podcast. I listened to uh, maybe it was just the the, the promo clip of it. A guy um, in Ohio, and you threw out the number about Ohio State and the record over a period of time. And I hope you know what I'm talking about against Wisconsin mm-hmm. and against Penn State and against Michigan. And when you, when you said what you did, it it made me sit back in my chair. I mean, I knew it was one sided, but when you do. You know, arguably, the three teams that have had the most success in this latest little run of, of Big Ten football, when you put it the way you did with Ohio State's record, and I hope you repeat it, it just opened some eyes. They certainly did these two eyes. 23-1 and one since Urban Meyer took over against Wisconsin, Penn State, and Michigan. That's crazy. Um, it's mind-boggling. And it's not just 23-1. and one. It's They beat all three of those schools by an average between, I think, 12 to 18 points per game in those games. So it's not like they're just beating them, they're destroying them. And I think Michigan wears that more than anybody. But aside from a couple anomalies, uh, the Iowa City game where they picked off J.C. Yeah. Barrett four times, uh, Purdue at night, mm-hmm. Iowa State's completely dominated the Big Ten. And in my opinion, it's gotten to the point, and I'm in Columbus, they're not going to care, but I think it hurts the Big Ten. It, the difference between watching a Big Ten football game in a Big Ten basketball game, you know, the top five teams in the Big Ten in basketball 
are probably more fun to watch mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent point, Bill. It really is because you, in all, most cases, you know, it's not going to go your way when the Buckeyes are on the other side of the field. So how can the Big Ten, you know, level the playing field or how can these other schools, how can they make themselves competitive and not have this one team that dominates? Look, Alabama's got, you know, depending on the year, they, they've got a challenger. Clemson's kind of taken on that Ohio State tinge, uh, in the ACC. But how can, how can the Big Ten catch up to Ohio State? What will it take? I mean, you got to be able to land those recruits. I mean, Ohio State landing JT last week. I'm, I don't know how to pronounce his last name yet. I, I got to get there. Um, <laughs> but it, uh, adds, yet another piece that they don't need. That's my point. Like, that doesn't – that just makes them even better. And now they got two first-round – future first-round picks as freshmen coming in. I think that's what it comes down to. How can you find a way to close the gap with recruiting in terms of the landing elite talent? Um, you know, Epinesa at Iowa was a, a solitary case, right? I mean, how do you get five, six, seven of those guys in a – cycle because that's the difference on the field is you can add solid four and five star classes but a high state just has so much depth that you watch them and it's it never I, I feel like I've wrote the same thing for five years is what I'm telling you yeah and the name that you told us I don't know two months ago that I haven't forgotten won't forget Jack Sawyer you know one of these recruits you know, we, we didn't know the Boses, and then we found one of the Boses. Oh, my God, the other one might be better. And this Jack Sawyer guy is, is being talked about in the same sentence as those two, Bill? Uh, he's the best high school player I've seen come out of Pickerington. And Pickerington has a bunch of guys in the NFL right now. And he came right out of the spring game, had four sacks. I mean, I know they're sacks with quotation marks. But, right. I mean, three years of Larry Johnson, he'll probably be in the same position. And that's they've been able to – when I look at college football rosters, when I do the top 25 and kind of start to break all those things out, I mean, the positions I look at are quarterback, defensive line, offensive line, and now probably receiver just because of how the game's changed and how you can create mismatches. And High State has all of those things, and they have more of all of those things than anybody else in the Big Ten. Over to Michigan. Saw that they're recruiting very well. Recruiting hasn't been a problem. I mean, just go back the last three years. According to rival, Michigan finished 10th, 11th, and 12th in the recruiting rankings. They certainly have not finished 10th, 11th, and 12th, though, in the final AP Top 25 in those years. It's been a quiet offseason for Harbaugh, maybe compared to some of the past ones that we've seen. I don't know. From this vantage point, it almost feels like dead man walking. That, that momentum can't be gained again for Michigan and Harbaugh. How do you see it? Well, this is why this year's so big, because if you could draw let, – let's see how Michigan can play this out. Would they – let's say they fire him after this year. Or do they become what I kind of think they are? And don't take offense to this, but I think Michigan's very similar to Iowa as a program right now in terms of – but the expectations at Michigan are probably different than Iowa. I mean, and the way I say that is every third year – Michigan has a team that could maybe win a Big Ten championship. That's kind of how I've felt about Iowa for a while. You know, Iowa, every third year, okay, there's a team that could maybe win it. Is that inaccurate? I no, don't think no. it is. That's I fair. think it's fair. Yeah, absolutely. But the difference is the national media and all of us, we expect Michigan to be, and Michigan fans for that matter, expect to be in the Ohio State-Alabama-Clemson discussion. When they're not, they're a second-rate program right now. But they're not that far off Notre Dame. I mean, I've watched them beat Notre Dame pretty soundly two years ago. So 
it's just getting to that level that's expected. And like I said about that stat earlier, they wear that stat more than anybody else because Ohio State beats them not only very soundly, but very publicly. And uh, the last couple have been very brutally. It's kind of like Game of Thrones, the end of the Game of Thrones scene. Yeah, it's well put. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is our guest. All right, one more in the Big Ten. When you talk about the Big Ten, you're pretty well, you know, most years, if you look to the bottom, there lies Illinois. Over in the East, it's usually been Rutgers, right, Maryland. Is Michigan State fallen to the bottom of the Big Ten East in your mind, Bill? Big year for them because Greg Schiano has created some momentum at Rutgers. Yeah. Mike Loxley's working in a pretty decent recruiting base in Maryland. Um, Indiana, we, I mean, I like Indiana. Indiana was definitively better than Michigan on the field last year, which was the biggest stunner of all in a lot of ways. Um, So, yeah, I mean, Michigan State's got their work cut out for them. I think one of the things there that they face, and it's a reality, is that Mark D'Antonio, he did a fantastic job there, went on a great run. Part of that run was enabled by the fact that Penn State and Michigan were in very low points in program okay, history. Yep. And does that? And I hope that makes sense because with Michigan and Penn State operational, maybe not great, but operational, it makes the Spartans' job a lot tougher. Tough to get up. Who has more success? You mentioned the, the newbies, Rutgers and Maryland, both are recruiting at a high level. Who ultimately, though, is the team that doesn't break through. Look, neither of those teams are in that current construction division getting to a championship game, but who has the first, say, eight-win season out of that group of two? Well, I think, you know, Maryland could get there, and they've got some interesting pieces around it. It's just when you're in the Big Ten East, it's tough because you're laying, theoretically, you're laying four losses out the three losses out the shoot. I mean, when I look at Rutgers and Maryland, I was like, are they ever going to beat Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, probably not. Mm-hmm. I think the last time Maryland beat Michigan was when they had Brady Hoke. I think the last time Rutgers took Michigan to several overtimes last year, still lost. So I think that's what makes it hard to win, even think about eight. I would say the team that gets to a bowl game first, though, probably go with Rutgers. Mm-hmm. I think what Greg Shiana is building there may have a better chance to get to six. And I'd start with that number before I think about eight. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, you're a, you're a Heisman voter. I know there's a lot of them. If the Heisman uh, Trust came to put this out there and the voters got to decide, does Reggie Bush get his Heisman back? You watched college football in 2005. Everybody that did knew that Reggie Bush was the best player they saw that year. I mean, okay, maybe everybody's painting with a broad brush, but you get my point. I think he was the best player we saw. If they put it up to the voters, to thumbs up or thumbs down, knowing that we're in a different era now, and I uh, name, image, and likeness, would the voters give Reggie Bush his Heisman back, do you think? I think so, but I think that's probably where this stops in terms of the NCAA is not going to go back and give teams wins and unvacate vacated banners because every case is different, and they're not going to make – it's one thing to say, okay, we made that mistake. They're not going to make – admit to making like a hundred mistakes that date back to the seventies, if you know what I mean. But I think if we all voted on it, I would vote, give it back to them based on a lot of things, mainly that, like you said, I mean, you could, okay. Vince Young may have been the best player that year, but we voted for Reggie Bush as the Heisman winner. And and on the field, he was the best player in the country that year. Best player I saw. 
Vince Young got his come up and uh-huh. on that Monday night, but uh, yeah. was able to finish that one off. A question popped into my head, and I don't know when it was. I was driving around one day and thinking about football and the Alabama teams, and just though they're different and they've evolved, and we see the continued ev- evolution of that team, what they are offensively. When you look at the Saban era. Do you have a team that is your favorite? A team that you look back and say, of this group of Alabamas, what, six national championships? Is there one that stick out? Because for me, they all kind of almost run together anymore. Yeah, um, last year. Because it was so dominant. And, yeah. and dominant on an offensive way where mm-hmm. you watch them blow through Notre Dame and everybody in the SEC and, and the personalities they had on that team, several of them that came back. And, and here's why I say it's my favorite one. This is kind of the team that made Nick Saban smile a little bit, right? <laughs> All the way up until the end, he knew how good this team was. And, you know, I've, I've covered them, I think, four of their championship games. And this team, just the offense around Mac Jones and, and Devontae Smith and Najee Harris, good personalities. They brought out the best. I mean, they always say that, you know, you get better with age. I don't know if I feel that way about myself because I'm out of shape and Struggling in my 40s, but they've certainly brought out the best in Nick Saban. Wait till you get to your 60s. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) Uh, Bill, uh, grateful for what you do for us. I love this segment. Uh, Appreciate it, and we will probably talk to you next week. Uh, Thank you, Bill Bender. We appreciate you coming on. Hey, sounds good, guys. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We talk a little college football. What would you vote? Reggie Bush, thumbs up, thumbs down. Bring him back. Bring him back. Give the guy his due. Come on. Absolutely. It's past time mm-hmm. for that. It never should have happened in the first place, right? Well, I agree with that. I Is this morality? I don't know. If you don't want to give the teams their wins back, don't give them back. Yeah. Um, it's just ridiculous. It but is. But I broke rules, I guess. We will, no, I will guess. He did. They did break right. rules that were in place at the time. Right now, it's time to go for the green on KXNO. Win $1,000 right now by texting the keyword love to 200-200. That's love to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right. We've got uh, Scott Miller coming up. Long-time calling. Columnist, uh, Major League Baseball. Well, Scott will join us when uh, we return on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Is KXNO. McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264 and DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of UFC has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round of Saturday's main event. If the rubber match ends in a first-round KO, you could walk away with the cash. This is what you do. Pick the main event fighter between McGregor and Poirier. You think a win by first-round knockout. If it happens, you get 264-1 to 1 odds on that fighter. Saw just today an interview with Stephen A. with Conor McGregor. Says he was looking past Poirier in January. Mm. Interesting. Well, if you believe that, bet a dollar on McGregor or on the other side of Poirier. Win by first-round knockout, and you're going to win $264. No better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook, and they'll have all the bouts up there available for you. If MMA isn't for you, DraftKings Sportsbook, great odds and promotions, golf, basketball, so going on, 
even those futures in football. It's safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code KXNO when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by a first-round knockout. Place your bet and then watch the fist fly this weekend. That's KXNO to turn code KXNO to turn $1 into $264. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Iowa only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-8. Your side. A business name is important? Sure. For one, it's how we connect with you, find you, and do business with you. But what's behind the name matters more. Roshan Corporation of Iowa is now Graphite Construction Group. We're building offices, retail centers, tenant improvements, schools, and more. But the most important thing we build? Our relationship with you. Let's get started on your construction project. Visit us at graphitegrp.com. Fun for podcasting. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on... 100 bets off. Wolf Roofing has learned a few things over the years. We understand that no one wants their home improvement project to drag on. So at Wolf Roofing, we plan for your project well before we set foot on site. As a result, most projects are done in one day. We also know quality is important in the big things like a proper installation and in the details like cleaning up well and using magnets to find stray nails. Find us on the web at wolfroofing.net or give us a call 225 225- iHeart Media. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNL and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 on the FM dial. We take you until noon. Scott Miller's covered Major League Baseball for decades. Now contributing to the New York Times, uh, MLB Radio, and Scott is with us. Scott Trent and Ken in Des Moines, thanks for finding time for us, Scott Miller. How are you? I'm good, Trent. You know, I, I got to say, I'm uh, I'm real good. We're thankfully for all of us, we're past the pandemic. Yes. Uh, at least most. I know we're not completely past it, but at least we're to where the world's reopening a little bit. It's nice to see fans in the stands at baseball games this summer. It's nice to be able to go out and not have to be locked down. So I have no complaints. I hope the same for you. No, absolutely. It's good to see fans in ballparks. Makes I mean, who wants to see another cutout of a person, right, for the rest of our lives uh, in yeah. ballparks and seats, in the prime seats. So we're, we're from our outposts, obviously it's not gone well. Uh, the Cubs are, well, the White Sox are leading the way, but the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Twins, they really moved the needle here here uh, in Des Moines. I think the Cubs are absolutely going to be fascinating to watch this team in the next couple of weeks because I, we've gone from, well, can they pick up Rios? Uh, is Scherzer an option? We did that in May, to now thinking that they're going to run a whole bunch of guys out of town. Um, what do you think, Scott? Will there be the sell-off that a lot of folks are anticipating? 
You know, I, I think so because I I think you know the 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 way the last two weeks have gone. Um, you know, they certainly played so well the Cubs in the month of May, and and you know for they were surprising all of us. But I, I think when all is said and done, I, I don't think Jed Hoyer is going to have any choice. Uh, I think he's a realist. He's a smart guy, and and he's not going to have any choice when he looks in the mirror but to say that our team is closer in reality to the way we played the last month than the way we played in May. And certainly the Cubs trade deadline is much more high stakes than pretty much, I'm going to say, all 29 other teams simply because uh, the, the, the caliber of names and talent they have, the fact that Chris Bryan and Javi Baez were part of the World Series core champion team. Um, so it's 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 trading away talent, it's 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 working through emotions, both of the team, of the individuals involved and, and of the fan base. Um, it's high stakes in that with guys like that, you better make good trades because if you swing and miss you know if they say say they trade away Baez and Bryant with on both and don't get you know they they the guys they think are going to be good aren't in return it could set the franchise back several years um so I agree with you it's going to be fascinating for the Cubs over the next month and I think far more in a way than anybody else they're uh they're up on that high wire as disappointing as the Cubs have been Cardinals may be even more disappointing. This is a team that had bigger expectations coming into the year. They look high up the standings before they finally see the Brewers up there. What about the Cardinals, the brass, both front office and the manager spot? Do you anticipate a shakeup in St. Louis? You know, I think they'll, I don't know about a major shakeup. I do think they're going to go out. I, I think they're going to add pitching. I, I, the, the difference with, I think, the Cardinals and the Cubs, you know the Cardinals went and traded for Nolan Arenado just this past winter, and, and and they they have continued to make moves to try to win. Whereas the Cubs, you look back to last winter, John Lester wanted to return, mm-hmm. and even at a discounted contract, the Cubs were like, "Nah, nah, we can't afford you," and they traded away you Darvish after he finished fourth in the Cy Young voting, and he's continued in San Diego to be one of the best pitchers in the National League. I mean, you know, you think that Cubs couldn't have used you Darvish in the rotation over the past, you know, this year and especially over the past month. Um, so the Cubs, I think this past winter, were already telegraphing signs that they're, they're entering a rebuild, whereas the Cardinals were the opposite. They were making moves to win, and that's what they've done organizationally over the past several years. Um you know they they've not unlike the Cubs the, the Cardinals have, under the current ownership and administration they have not shown any taste for stripping their team down to do a total rebuild and again acquiring Arenado having him and Goldschmidt in the middle of the lineup I, I don't I maybe I'm wrong but I don't see them just throwing up the white flag I think they go to get some pitching and try to keep keep this thing together i mean you go back even you know to 2011 12 after albert pujols left um you know when the when cardinals drew the line with him they they, they you know i thought that i bring that up because it's the same people basically john, john mose 
uh, head of baseball ops, same ownership. And, and they made a very measured decision with Pujols. They weren't going to get involved and let their emotions get the best of them, um, he, despite the fact that he was the franchise at the time. They, they were like, Here's, we're going to try to retain him. Here's the line we're going to draw in free agency financially. And if we can do it for this, we'd love to have him back. If not, see you later. And obviously we know what happened. He left. He went to the Angels. He's, his career began to decline just as the Cardinals figured. He'd already had his peak. And he declines. Meanwhile, the Cardinals continued mostly to win more often than not. And, you know, so they figure it out, and I think they'll continue to. Big thing with them is, I think, you know, Carlos Martinez, I think he was supposed to be that next great starter, and they've tried to run him into the rotation about eight or ten times. So, I mean, more, more not eight or ten starts, but like eight or ten fits and starts after putting him in the bullpen. That's okay. Now let's try him as a starter. Now he stinks. Let's put him in the bullpen. Now let's try him as a starter. Now he stinks. Back to the bullpen. I, I think they could do well to give up on that guy. <laughs> Yeah, and they just may. Uh, he's one of those guys rumored to be uh, available. We'll see. You know, I want to talk about the Dodgers. I, I mean, the, the National League West is just fascinating with those three teams. I think the Giants are the biggest surprise, positive surprise in baseball. Maybe the team to the north of us, the most disappointing surprise in those Minnesota Twins. But the Dodgers, uh, Kershaw now forearm. Uh, he's going to miss 10, he's a 10 day, uh, IL. We don't know how long it'll go. We have no idea what's going to happen with Trevor Bauer. He's eligible to come off, I think, Friday, but I think there's, that's, that's in all likelihood not going to happen. So no Bauer for who knows how long. Kershaw, we hope that there's nothing serious there. What is, do they now need to go out and acquire a starting pitcher? Because the lineup, as you well know, Scott, it's absolutely loaded. Um, are the Dodgers in the market for a starter with the uncertainty of Bauer and now Kershaw's forearm acting up? Yeah, I think they have to be. And I don't know if it's going to be an expensive starter because, you know, as you know, Trevor Bauer, they gave $102 million to over three years. And, uh, you know, who who knows? Maybe eventually down the road, if he is charged and if he's, you know, convicted, maybe they can get out of paying him some of that money through some clauses in his contract. But, Short term, yeah. I mean, with the uncertainty all around, and and not just Kershaw and Bauer, but remember earlier this year that young uh, really Dustin May, yeah, redhead, yeah, Dustin May blew out his arm mm-hmm. and he's Tommy John surgery. So, it, I mean, that that's how fragile this game is. The Dodgers, one of the reasons they've been so dominant is their depth over the years, and even coming into this year. I mean, remember, their rotation was so deep, they put David Price in their bullpen. I mean, David Price has been one of the best starters. I know he's older and he's not what he used to be, but he's been one of the best starters in the game for how long now? He's, um, you know, he he's a Cy Young winner. And they, they had such an embarrassment of riches that, you know, they, they, they started the year with him in the bullpen. And now all of a sudden, as you say, you know, Bowers out, you know, while he's being investigated, Kershaw, uh, May's out. And all of a sudden, now the Dodgers pitching, which started out so deep, is really thin. And, yeah, I I don't think there's any question they need to go out and add to their pitching at this point. Looking forward to next week's All-Star game as anticipated of a home run derby and All-Star game as I can remember in a number of years. And it's because of Shohei Otani. We were talking at the top of the show today. 
would be the game plan? If you had the opportunity to get the year of cash and said, this is what I would do, you starting him on the pitching mound, getting him in that bat early, what are you doing with Otani? Yeah, first off, I'm thrilled he's going to pitch and hit Me the game. I think that's that's going to be so much fun. It's he's he's as good a story as there is in the game today. Um, what he's doing is remarkable, and I don't think it's even though a lot of us continue to talk about it. I don't know why. I think the sports world is not nearly, as, generally speaking, as plugged into this as it needs to be. I mean, it's it, it it's it's incredible what Otani's doing. You know, if I if I'm Kevin Cash, I think he's in the starting lineup as a DH. Um, so I mean, I, I think it'd be fun if he pitch fairly early. Um, I, I think probably we're going to see him pitch early because he, here's the thing: if he's in the home run derby already, and there's obviously from the Angels' perspective, there's a lot of they're trying to manage that workload. It's a great fun that he pitches and hits, but it's also a lot. So I don't think the Angels would want or baseball would want Otani to go through the whole home run derby and then play about seven innings in the All-Star game because they're going to have to give the guy a break at some point. Um, so I think after he goes through the home run derby, which is exhausting in itself, um, you know, I would anticipate he starts as a DH. I think he pitches pretty quick. Whether he starts as on the mound or maybe comes in as the second pitcher in the game, and then, then, then you know you can get him his appearances in early, and then give him the rest of the night off. I I think that's what I would do, and I think that uh, that's probably what Kevin Cash and, and baseball will do with him. And the other thing is, um, you know, and this isn't necessarily you, the first guiding principle is you have to do what's right by him and by the game, and especially by him. You don't want him to get hurt. But I think also, the, again, this is secondary, but. There'll be, uh, you know, for TV ratings and for people that want to see him, I think if you have him pitch and hit early um, rather than wait until later in the game when maybe some people turn the TV, TV to other channels or whatever, I, I think it, first three innings, if he can pitch and hit, it'd be awesome. Uh, Scott, last thing for me, uh, the White Sox are commanding lead. They look like they're home free uh, in the Central. The Indians, a nice story. I think they're a 500 ball club. Royals were the best team on April the 30th in baseball. We talked about the Twins and their disappointment. Tigers are better, but uh, La Russa's done a terrific job with this team. They're going to coast uh, to the uh, Central Division crown. What do they need? Jimenez is on a rehab assignment. Uh, Robert probably coming, uh, going to get back. Uh, if you you're the White Sox. What would you be looking to do? Yeah, and the whole uh, first off is I would be looking to do everything I could to get these guys healthy again, as you mentioned, because that's what's I think going to make or break their season more than anything they do at the trade deadline. Uh, is is the guys you mentioned, Jimenez and Robert, coming back, and um, you know Madrigal status. I'm trying to remember his injury. He's he's not out for the year, is he? No, Madrigal I don't think should so. Come back. Yeah. So they got to get him healthy, and then of course they just lost Yasmani Grandal the other day to the leg injury. So their big thing, I think, is to manage their team in such a way as to emphasize that they get guys healthy and rested, and and make sure they're they've got their lineup back by early September. I think that's the number one thing, and then secondly, beyond that, you can just you can never have enough pitching. It's you know what 
all throughout baseball history. Good as the cliche goes, good pitching beats good hitting. So if I'm the White Sox, number I prioritize health number one and do everything I can to continue to make sure these guys are on good rehabilitation programs. And number two, in July, I go out and get another arm or two. Finish up with this. It's been a conversation piece seemingly for the last month. Garrett Cole, kind of the forefront of it. The sticky. We've had the umpires checking. They're going to the hat. They're going to the belt. And spin rates are down. Offense is up. Has it worked? And have they fixed what turned out to be a pretty big problem? You know, yeah, I think uh, you have to say it's been working on a couple of fronts. One, you know, Poor uh, Hector Santiago of Seattle's yeah. become the poster boy because he's the only guy that's been thrown out of the game with stuff on his glove since baseball's crackdown. Other than him, nobody else has been caught. So I think I think it's worked from the standpoint that pitchers seem to have been standing down on using so much stuff. Secondly, as you mentioned, the numbers are up. Offensive numbers, uh, runs per game are up, strikeouts per game are down a little bit. And that's what—that's ultimately the goal. Baseball thought that it, the game had tilted so much to where the pitchers were, do, were getting, were, were, you know, just too good. So I think from that perspective, it's worked. Um, I think it's going to be an ongoing issue. It'll be interesting to see if these uh, crackdowns, if if this TSA style searches continue every single game the rest of the year, or if after a period of say a month or whatever, baseball thinks they've got the pitchers. Uh, to stand down and they say, okay, there's a point, if there's a point where baseball eventually uh, says, okay, we're not going to do nightly searches, we're going to continue to do random searches, but but not every game. I could see that maybe later in the year, but, um, you know, I think uh, overall it's worked. Scott Miller, uh, you can read him in the New York Times, as uh, you can hear him on MLB uh, radio, and um, we appreciate you coming on, Scott Miller. Thanks for doing this. Trent, my pleasure. Take care. Have a great day and a good summer until we speak again. Indeed. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Scott Miller, as he uh, talks a little baseball. Called you Trent a couple of times. He did. I think that's... Uh, We've been having that happen more often here the last few weeks. That, you know you what that, that? that does? You know what that tells me? We're an old married couple. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, Yeah, that's what it tells mm-hmm. me. We will uh, take our final time out at 11.45. The keyword this hour was love at 200-200. We're on 1460KXNO. And 106.3 FM. And when we come back, congratulations are in order. Boy, the guys I'm playing with are not pleased. Oh, really? (laughs) It's not gone well. We will talk about the Bet Rivers Hockey Contest came to an end and the old man did it again. (laughs) Well, come on. It's hockey, right? Who's supposed to win this thing? The Canadians. The Canadians. They thought they had me. They were you-know-whatting on my contest grave. Uh Uh-huh. And he pulled out his ace. Two trophies now. More when we come back. Revnar 13. Authentic brand has been dressing the best companies, teams, and fans in the highest quality promotional products for more than 20 years. If you're looking for custom headwear, outerwear, apparel, bags, or accessories, you should ask your dealer about authentic brand or visit tcb-companies.com. Expertly designed and manufactured by their own team, authentic brand is the preferred label of iHeart. At 4 p.m. Couldn't stand this guy growing up in Canada. No? Couldn't stand Gordon, Gordon Lightfoot. Lightfoot. You it was an automatic channel change. Then I grew up. Yeah. 
and it's really good. This guy's music is really good. Folky. Yes. Him and Neil Young, kind of. Him and Neil Young, right. Same milk, right? Absolutely. Something growing up in the cold of Canada. Yeah, just give me a, I'm not listening to this garbage. Uh, anyways, welcome back. I'm, I hope you folks are. <laughs> At least the last couple hours. We'll try to get better in this last four or five minutes of the program. So we were finishing up talking about another championship for you in the Bet Rivers Hockey Contest. Yep. <laughs> you were out of money. You hadn't had money in your account in weeks. Over a month? And that was the question I was asked, right? Mm-hmm. When they were doing an update, it was, what's your balance? Well, my balance was zero. But I had some future tickets. And if they listen to this radio program, it's not like I've kept it a secret right, to our right. audience. Yes. Everyone knew I was holding these aces. I bet on Tampa Bay early mm-hmm. when we had Joe O'Donnell and John Schaefer and you and I prior to the start of the playoffs. Yeah. Before the puck even dropped in round one. I picked Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup. I bet on Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup. How much did you bet it? In this one? In the contest, yeah. Well, I bet more. To be fair, to be honest, I bet more on Colorado. I thought Colorado and Tampa Bay would play for the Cup. Mm -hmm. So we're each given $250 to bet on Bet Rivers. I bet $100 on Colorado, thinking that they were going to win. I bet a total of $55 or $60 on Tampa Bay, because I thought they would play Colorado. Mm Mm-hmm. So if I, I thought I had a pretty good chance. So that's where instead of going this night after night, this grind, right? I thought, you know, what the hell with it? It's, it's. I think the best way to do because I love betting futures. Yes, you do, and I have forever. And you're very good at it. Well, so I have Tampa Bay, and these guys are going back and forth. And the guys I'm talking about, they're all. It's Mark Morehouse. It's Todd Bromelkamp, um, and a couple of DJs from radio stations in the Quad Cities. Okay, and they're thinking that. He's out. I'm out. The Canadian has no money. Right. Well, so about, I don't know, there was 30 seconds left in the game last night. And I knew what I was going to do if if Tampa was up. I was going to look for that, the Undertaker rising up off the mat (laughs) gif. So I tweeted that out. (laughs) And then I tweeted the pictures that I'd taken of my tickets when I bought them. One of them in May, Uh one of them in first week of June on Tampa Bay. And I tweeted them out. But now there's some sour grapes because while I would have bet differently if I would have known you had these futures, uh-huh. but if you're in a handicapping contest, it's not like you walk up to the next uh, guy. This is what I'm betting this race just in case you want to know. Mm-hmm. I'm in it to beat you. That's right. I'm in it to have the biggest bankroll at the end. And I did. That's awesome. And I, yeah. But the only question I was asked in this thing is, what's your balance? Mm-hmm. Well, it's balance zero. It wasn't, what's your balance? And, oh, by the way, do you have any futures? Right. If I was asked that, I would have been honest. So this is probably going to lead to some change of the rules, I'm going to guess, going forward. so, yes. By the time we get to football season, hopefully we're asked to do a football contest, because this is a lot. It is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And, and Bet Rivers and Wild Rose Jefferson, who put this thing on, Wild Rose in the sports books, uh, it's fun. I hope they're getting the bang for the buck that they think they are, because I know you guys are doing the NBA contest. Mm-hmm. It's more local. Um, I don't know. They couldn't find any hockey guys <laughs> in central Iowa, so they branched out to the eastern part of the state and Morehouse and Bromel Camp with two good hockey minds, and I think they finished second and third. But I think Todd thought he had a trophy coming home. Not happening. So now do I get two meals at the champion's dinner? Well, probably. You could go back for seconds, or maybe you can bring a guest. <laughs> well, hopefully you're you're still in front of the NBA contest, right? I am, but, you know, Smol is right behind me. I and think he won the NCAA 
And right tournament? Yeah. I just have a feeling he's laying in the weeds too. He's he's got something up his sleeve. I have not been good after hitting my hundred one. I think I've gone like one in my last eight picks there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be on the Bucks tonight. I'm gonna play a few bucks. What do you get? Five and a half? Yeah. That's uh, at least this morning. That's what mm-hmm. I saw it at. So I'm going to be playing with that, but I'm not feeling confident. AD, he's firing. He's already made his picks. AD's closing the gap, or at least he, he was. Oh, we'll see. Well, um, I'm rooting for you. Love to have you at the champions dinner. Well, but maybe I can bring a guest. You can bring. Since me. I've got two trophies. Yes. Look at you. I'm gonna have to find a bigger space for these bad boys. I what I might just room. decline the next time. Well, oh, they're pissed off. Oh, well. Miller and Condon, uh, thanks for being here. Murph and Andy in an hour and five minutes. Fanatics at three. Uh, Barnstormer Weekly tonight at six o'clock. Thanks for listening to 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM.